You're listening to the Viva La Mami podcast, a podcast about all things motherhood. I'm your host, Jessica Cuevas. I am a mother of one on a mission to redefine the meaning of motherhood as a first-generation, bilingual, and bicultural Latina mommy. Regardless if we feel like a failure from time to time, or if we succeeded with the little things in our motherhood journey, it is important to celebrate all of these experiences as madres. So bring your cafecito as I invite you to be a part of this space and create raw and honest conversations about the exciting and challenging parts of being a mommy. Ahora, vámonos. Hola, hola, amiga. I'm sure you have heard of this, pero the first five years of a child's life are extremely crucial. Their brain rapidly develops and the foundation for how the child will relate to others, manage and express emotions and learn is being set. Ultimately, a child's relationship with their caregiver and their environment have the biggest impact on their mental health. Oftentimes, the way we parent, though, is highly influenced by the way we were brought up culturally. So considering all of this, how can we better understand the needs of our children, especially during the first five years, to ensure that they are up for success as it relates to their mental health? In this week's episode, we welcome Linette del Dios, who is the founder of Early Childhood Consulting and is a licensed clinical social worker with almost 15 years of experience working with families in an array of environments, including the classroom, pediatric hospitals, and in their home. Lynette founded Early Childhood Consulting in 2022 to provide high-quality clinical services to young children in the familiarity of their home, in the presence of their special caregiver, and in the family's preferred language, which is awesome. I had a wonderful conversation with her, and you do not want to miss all of the insightful information she shares about infant and early childhood mental health. Ahora, vámonos al episode with Lynette de Dios. Hola, Lynette, ¿cómo estás? Hi, Jessica. I'm good. How are you? It's so nice to finally Zoom meet you. Yes, it's so great to meet you. I had a wonderful conversation with you not too long ago to talk about this interview, and I felt that everything that you said is going to be very helpful in this podcast because there are a lot of new things as it relates to mental health through social media, you know, and different people that are being very outspoken about it. But something that really intrigued me about you was the aspect of infant mental health. Yeah. Like, uh -huh. to be honest, as, as a new mom, I never heard of this. And I don't even know how I found you, but Instagram does its own <laughs> algorithms. And I was like, whoa, what is this? And it literally spoke to my interest in knowing more about your practice and what you do. Before we kind of delve into like your practice and what infant mental health is, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Well, thanks for reaching out. I saw your message on Instagram and I told my partner like, oh my gosh, she wants to talk to me. Like, I'm so excited. And he's like, it's okay. Take it down three notches. So I'm just super excited to share this space with you and, and just talk about what I'm passionate about. So yeah, my name is Lynette de Dios. I am Latina. I was born here in Illinois, about half hour or so west from the Chicago downtown area. My dad is Mexican. My mom is Cuban. And so this thing about culture and navigating different cultures, my parents were separated when I was very young. However, they always kept such a wonderful and beautiful relationship. So we were always walking distance from my dad. And so my brother and I like to say that you know, at mom's house, we were with novelas. And then with dad, we were with mariachi. And so it was this constant, like, cultural in and out thing that just worked for us, worked for my family. Spanish is my first language. I didn't learn English until I was about four, 
five. And I like to say that Barney was that was who taught me the purple dinosaur <laughs> taught me English. So for sure. I, I could still sing the I Love You song. So yeah. Yeah. And so you have a practice. It's called Early Childhood Consulting. Can you tell us a little bit more about what inspired you to establish your business and also what really inspired you to become a therapist? I went into undergrad with a major in business administration. I didn't want to work with kids. It wasn't in the plan, especially little kids, right? I, I kind of was of the mindset of they're always crying. They're always wanting to play with you. Like, I'm going to be touched <laughs> out. No quiero. But I had to pay for my tuition somehow. And so I saw this post that it, it was a job. And not only did it pay hourly, but it gave you a stipend at the end of the year. So it assigned you to a classroom. So you were in the same classroom, sort of like a teacher's aide for preschool. I applied, I interviewed, I got it. And it changed my my plan. It changed my trajectory in so many different ways. So the plan was to be there for a year. I actually did it for all four years of my undergraduate. Wow. Loved it. And that got me good experience in the classroom. So I was focused on really supporting toddlers develop relationships, not only with peers, but with teachers, right? After that, I did home visiting with teen parents. So I visited the, visited them in their home and did uh, co had conversations with them about child development, provided some activities that they can do with the baby. But that was the experience that really allowed me and gave me the opportunity to understand that the parents' well-being influenced the baby's well-being, right? So I was in the classroom for four years, and that got me a good experience and just knowledge of how how one absorbs knowledge at such a tiny age. Mm -hmm. But then I went for a few years, and I worked with families in their home, and that was just a wonderful opportunity. And in hindsight, wish that my family had a home visitor who would come out and support my family. So we had a lot of really wonderful, loving moments, but we also had very stressful moments mm -hmm. as a family. And so thinking a little bit about what did my parents need and what did we need? I have a younger brother. What did we need as, as young children in that moment? Could somebody translate for us in a kid friendly way what was happening so you take the classroom experience the home experience and you sort of get early childhood consulting which you know it, it's therapy it's infant mental health therapy mm -hmm. but I don't have an office I go into the homes it's just a different way to see a family and it's humbling because you get to see all of them mm -hmm. in the most vulnerable place which is their home so yeah. that's, that's sort of how early childhood consulting was born. I've heard of early intervention, you know, programs through the state, right? Like they're more based off of like these state mandated kind of intervention programs. But with what you offer, is it more so catered to like the the parents, right? And yeah. depending on their needs based off of what their child needs as well? Yeah, so I started doing early intervention. So part of early childhood consulting is that I do accept families who are in the early intervention system. So the early intervention system provides developmental support, just added physical support if they're not, you know, if the baby's not crawling yet, or if they're not taking steps yet, or if they're not saying words or babbling, then they get language. But there's also this field that's growing, that is getting a lot of attention, especially after COVID, that is the social work area, right? The social emotional. Mm -hmm. And that's where I come in. So if a little one is having tantrums or can't really manage and regulate their stress level, or they're a fussy baby, or perhaps they're a newborn that was in the NICU for a few weeks, right? So I come out and I really support both the child's development focused in social emotional, 
But the beauty of infant mental health is that I also support that parent's mm-hmm. experience, right? And if we take the example of the baby being in the NICU, I can only imagine what that experience was like for that parent or for that abuelita who, pro- who maybe has custody of the newborn, right? There's all types of families. And just thinking a little bit about connecting the child's development with the parent's experience and just bringing it together, but also shifting the expertise. So I'm not the expert. I don't come with expertise. The parent is the expert on their child. You as mom, you as dad, you're going to tell me about your child's sleeping patterns, about their feeding, right? What does your intuition say? And parents are like, pero maestra, es que usted es la profesional. Yes, but (laughs) you have the puzzle pieces. I come with information, but my information has gaps because I don't know your family. I don't know your culture. So I come to learn and then together wonder with you, let's bring it together and really partner to think about what do you need as a mom? What do you need as a wife? What do you need as a woman to help you parent in the way that you want to parent? It definitely preps us to really understanding what infant mental health is. So can you kind of define us what what it is? Infant mental health, you know, everybody defines it there's different ages, right? So infant mental health, one wants to say that it's between new prenatal up until that child turns three. Early childhood, one can say that is from zero to five. So for the purposes of this interview, let's focus on zero to five, prenatal to five years of age. So it's really thinking about how is this baby or toddler or preschooler starting to learn that they have emotions, that they can manage their their emotions. They can manage and they can express them in ways that are culturally appropriate for their family. So for example, if we take feeding, right? Well, sometimes depending on the culture, you see the abuelita feeding the four-year-old, right? In other cultures, you would, you could see the same family being like, no way. He's He or she is going to feed themselves. We need him to be independent. Mm-hmm. So it's really thinking about what does that family need for this child to do? Or what are the goals for this child? But also how is this child learning that they are their own little person, right? Maybe I'm mad. It doesn't mean that mommy has to be mad. Maybe I'm sad. It doesn't mean that mommy has to be sad, right? So really think, really establishing that they are their own little person with their own personality. But in essence, it's how how do they express their emotions? So all of them, not only happy and excited, but how are they expressing their anger, their frustration? And how do they deal with everyday stress? Mm-hmm. And that all, you know, is learned by watching culturally, right? Culture socializes us. We learn what is acceptable by watching people in our community, by watching people in our family, both extended and immediate. Porque a veces, you know, we get into routines in our immediate household, and then we go to Abuelita's house, y le decimos al niño, no vayas a hacer esto porque no quiero que tu abuelita me regañe. So there's so much information that little kids are taking in at the same time that they're going through growth spurts because the first three years are huge developmentally. Mm. So how are they taking all that in? And how are they making sense of who they are in this really big world that sometimes can be beautiful and loving and other times can be really difficult for them because trauma exists because everyday stress exists and that looks different according to every family i think it gives a lot of perspective that a child's development social emotional well-being is impacted by their family by their upbringing 
And that makes me reflect so much about me as an adult. And I'm sure that for many parents and clients that you work with, it literally gives perspective now that they are adults. And maybe that's why perhaps they behave this way or that's why they reacted this way. And so when it comes to the Latinx community, how does our culture sort of influence the way that we perceive early childhood development? This might be a universal thing across cultures, but the idea that he's a baby, he's not going to notice if we fight or Ay, está chiquito, like, no pasa nada. Mándalo a dormir y ya, mañana no se va a acordar de nada. He's fine. Everything is fine. Right? Whether that child or that baby is in the same room where a fighting happens or whether they get sick and they need to go to urgent care and that can be very scary they remember they're taking everything in and i think culturally universally there's something sad for us adults to think that what we are doing can have a negative impact on a baby Mm. i think it's something that we've tried to convince ourselves of because we love babies. I, I think as a community, as a Latinx culture, we love our babies and we are relational and family comes first to us, which is the foundation of infant health. But at the same time, it goes back to how we justify stressful experiences for that little one, because I think we wish to be able to have this protective shield, mm-hmm. right? Against todo. But that's not how life works. I'm like, things are going to hit the fan sometimes. Things are going to happen. We're going to wake up on mornings where we're like, no me aguanto. I'm not in a good mood. Y no sé por qué. And that's going to impact the way I walk around the house. Or that's going to impact my tone of voice. And that little one notices everything. So in the first three months of birth, babies are, I'd say, almost obsessed with faces. They're always looking at faces. If you remember back to your little one, Jessica, he was probably grabbing, you know, trying to grab your nose, grabbing your face, your hair. You are their favorite toy. And so because they get to know you so well and they're so in sync with how you feel and your tone of voice, When you are off, they notice Mm. and they notice like this, but sometimes we can't, and we can't protect them of that because we're not robots, right? It's part of real life. Like mommy gets sad too. Mm -hmm. You cried yesterday. I'm crying today. It has nothing to do with you. I still love you. I'm still going to be here, but mommy needs a minute Mm. and our feelings don't stay in our body forever just like you cried. And then later you were fine. I'm going to cry right now, but later I I think I'm going to be okay. But culturally, it's hard to say all that. And I've definitely noticed this with my growing up, right? Like even how that, the way that I was restricted with certain things and and not intentionally, I think that's just how it's always been, verdad? Like, es porque yo dije, and there's no mm-hmm. explanation about why I was limited to express myself or do certain things that I've wanted to do. It's just very interesting that even to today, right, like how that makes such a big impact. And I also think about feelings and the way that I deal with difficult situations or when I'm in this in stressful moments as an adult and how my emotional intelligence isn't fully regulated. And I often wonder if it was because of my upbringing. Again, like I had a wonderful upbringing, childhood, you know, I I just had a great support system. I still do. But I think it's because of how much culture is so embedded in us. Que a veces, you know, there's just no room for negotiation in, in terms of how you parent because that's how you've always learned and and i think that's you know what obviously happens with our parents culture and and relationships right relationships and and the way that that we feel relationships should work right Mm -hmm. and that should comes from how our relationships when we were young 
looked like with our own special adults, with our own caregivers, right? So oftentimes, if we don't acknowledge some patterns, we will repeat them unconsciously. And so infant mental health provides this space. I like to tell parents, this is where you can undo yourself, right? This is where if you want to cry, if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. But also, if you don't want to talk about something, that's okay, right? It goes at a pace because you can't, you, you can't talk about big, scary feelings. If you're, you haven't started acknowledging that there's some feelings there to begin with, Right. Sometimes we want to just cross that finish line, but without realizing we have we have three miles to go, girl. You mm. you have to run first. You gotta get in the race. Right. You have to start acknowledging things first. And I always say therapy is one of the most rewarding things that one can can do for themselves, but yep. it's the most difficult. The mo you know, I go to therapy myself once a week and my partner knows I am drained that day. Mm -hmm. I'm drained. It it's tiring. It's exhausting because you're just wondering and thinking and connecting the dots. But as a, as a parent, yes. and that's a whole different level of vulnerability. Yes. Yeah. A whole different level because to some extent, you can relate to your own caregivers, right? I get how hard that was for them because now this is hard for me. Mm. And so you start empathizing with them, pero también acknowledging, I don't want to do it that way. Mm -hmm. so it's like both, right? Like you start holding both and then in your heart of like, I love them. I had loving memories and I want to do things different. Right. But sometimes with culture, the Latinx community, like what I've heard parents tell me is, but that feels so guilty. Mm -hmm. That just feels so big limit. I'm just curious about like, how can we sort of unlearn those different messages, the different, you know, things that have been ingrained in us. Therefore, mm -hmm. we don't feel shamed or guilty when we yeah. want to consider a different approach in our parenting, right? So how can that we then relearn the way that we parent our children, even though our culture is still very influential, you know, to mm -hmm. us? I think it's two pieces to that question, mm -hmm. right? La primera is, how do we integrate, right? Because relearning it's like almost like you're you're tearing you're breaking something to then like put something back together right and so it's how do we integrate how do we acknowledge accept and then make ourselves accountable to change because mm -hmm. everything can be true at the same time i think there's this idea that we can only feel one feeling about things because if we feel both like happy pride and sadness like that's really weird what do you mean we can only feel one category of feelings either positive or negative and it's like well that's that's how we were taught or that's how we think it is but what if we gave ourselves permission to say everything here can be true right i can feel pride in how far my motherhood has come and I can feel sadness because it's so different from how I was raised. And that brings me guilt. And I'm excited for the future. Like everything can be true at the same time. And so that's one piece. And the second piece, Jessica, that you asked, oh, it was culture. I think the beautiful thing about culture is that it's always changing. Mm. And we change with it because we become parts of different systems. So every time you change your job, right? Your system, your village changes. When we meet a partner, our village grows because now we have their family as a backup, right? As support and we learn from them. So it's thinking about what is my culture in my household and what things from the outside do I value that I want to bring into the household? 
and vice versa, right? When I'm outside of my household, what do I do with my child that works well for him? Like, how do I respond to him with a tantrum at home? Do I have space at a Target or at a Walmart to respond to him the same way? And sometimes we do, and sometimes we don't have that bandwidth. Right. And so things are are changing because our children are changing too. And something we talked about in our call, Jessica, this weekend was that parents also go through their developmental stages. Mm-hmm. Right? You're like you're going to be a second mom now. You are you are a mom of two essentially right now. Right. And thinking how you know even your identity now to what your identity was two years ago, how it's the same and how it's different mm-hmm. all at the same time. And that's been a whirlwind, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Sometimes it's just hard to let go. And especially when you hear messages from la tia or even la abuelita, right? Mm-hmm. It's they, everyone has their own parenting style. And one thing that I learned was definitely support a mom, but never tell her what to do because mm-hmm. her approach or any parent's approach is going to be different than yours, even though we want to meet the same goals. When considering culture and just like the things that you want to unlearn and relearn, it's almost like your approach is going to be different. It could be different, but yeah. at the end of the day, what is your intention, right? And your child, I mean, right, trusting Blanca from Whole Child's Home, she talks a lot about trusting your little one, no matter if they're an infant or they're a toddler, right? Trusting your infant. And so when you talk about different approaches within a family system, right? Because sometimes we are going to have our father or our own mother take care of our little one because we have to go to work or whatever the case may be. Children can be flexible and they can adapt to different strategies. So a lot of time is, you know, it's the pressure that we adults put on ourselves without realizing like, you know, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Right. Because he knows at the end of the day, you are their home and they're so flexible and adaptable that once they're home, they know exactly kind of like what what happens within the routine. Right. right? And I wonder if, if you've noticed that with yes. your own little one. Definitely. Está más consentido con los par- grandparents. <laughs> and he knows yes. when to take advantage of that versus with us. We're a little bit more structured i would say so yeah and he probably picks up on stuff right oh, yeah, yeah yeah whether it be because of your tone of voice or you know the grandparents tone of voice or even how we walk like i always like to tell parents you know your little one is your best detective mm. he will figure things out sooner than even we will because they're so like focused on us because our attachment to them is what keeps them secure and feeling like they can explore their environment, right? So they are keenly aware of something is up with mom. But because they're so little and they're so egocentric, they automatically, when some when something is wrong, they automatically blame themselves. Mm. It's just, you know, what I, I posted about the anxieties of early childhood. And one of the anxieties is to be abandoned. And the other is to be not loved by one's parent anymore. And so it's often mom or in dad, and they're the main caregivers, the child automatically assumes es mi culpa. Hice algo, ya no me quiere. And so as a parent, infant mental health, we wonder with the parent, well, what happened in the situation and how could we have repaired? And I think this is what's different than maybe it's different than how I was raised for sure. And maybe you tell me if it's different than how you were raised, Jessica, but there's a break, every relationship, there's breaks. That's normal. There's every relationship goes through stress, whether it's mother, child, parent, child, romantic, not romantic, there's breaks. But how do you repair that relationship? Right. How do you go back? Y aunque sean dos años, right? 
metí la pata. Mm-hmm. And, and you're not going to say it like that, but, you know, talking about mommy wasn't ready to listen when you wanted to talk to me. And that's different. You know, in my practice of infant mental health, that's where I see the most aha moments is telling dad or telling mom, you can go back and say you're sorry to your little one. Se vale. Mm-hmm. And what are we teaching them? That they can then go to their peer that maybe they hit out of an impulse because maybe they don't have the words to say, quiero ese juguete, dámelo. So se lo arrebatan, el otro se lo arrebata otra vez y el tuyo le pega. But once they experience what an I'm sorry feels like, then when they're not with you, they can say it naturally. Right. Genuinely, because I remember that when I felt sad, mommy told me that she was sorry. My friend is crying because I hit him. I'm going to say I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting how it's all interconnected. It's such a spider web. (laughs) It is. It is. Our children basically mirror what we do. And And it's very easy to not think about that and having that awareness, like self-awareness of it. I love how you said it, that children are our little detectives. Porque ellos Mm -hmm. ven beyond what we even see. And it's often Mm -hmm. like, man, maybe I'm going to carry a mirror in front of me all the time. (laughs) But... It, it's it's just interesting and in how much it can affect you know the their trajectory even well if yeah. we think about it right we adults are not detectives because we have so many things on our plate right yes. i have this deadline coming up i didn't make the six month shot appointment you know for the little one i forgot to do the dentist appointment for myself little kids don't have to worry they don't have those worries their biggest worry is you know when are you gonna put miss rachel on youtube right (laughs) their biggest worry is uh, when am i gonna eat next mom and so all that to say in jest that adults live or live their lives in much faster pace and kids try their best to keep up with us but they can't keep up with us. And so they're usually experiencing things a lot slower. Mm-hmm. So they have a time to just kind of take everything in mm-hmm. while we are cooking, while we are on YouTube, while we are while we are multitasking, they're scanning everything. They're scanning the room, whether they are six months old or they're four years old, right? That four-year-old is probably gonna ask you why, why mommy? Why mommy? Why mommy? A thousand times where that infant might just look at you and maybe, you know, if you have him in a high chair, maybe she or he's going to hit the high chair to get your attention. So through behavior, Mm. right, from a very early age, they start trying to figure out and making sense of what's happening, what's happening in the kitchen, what's happening in the bathroom where I hear my parents fighting and that's why you know the space is for both the parent and the child the parent and the baby it's both together and we look at the relationship and what's going on what's impacting it that's what infant mental health is is considering how culture what culture dictates about social emotional behavior what's right what's wrong but then you add in all these factors, right? Like stress from the job, financial stress, health stress. And then how does that impact the way that we relate with each other? Am I more reactive? Do I tend to maybe sleep more because I'm feeling depressed? Which means that if my baby is crying, maybe I have a lower tolerance for those crying. Cuando la semana pasada que me sentía mejor, you know, I was much more patient with them. We're going to be depressed sometimes. We are going to be sad sometimes. Like that baby's going to be mad and that baby's going to be sad. But how do we show up? Mm-hmm. That's that's the question. How do we want to show up? How didn't we show up last week? Why? Okay, let's learn from it. Let's integrate it. And let, when it happens again, 
let's try to show up differently. Yeah, it's all about reflection and like self-awareness to really understand like yourself and recognizing mm -hmm. how to even behave with your child in, in future situations in similar situations like the one that you had. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's so interesting when it comes to having difficult situations or encounters that may impact the way that you parent that day. How do we even recognize our inner child when we often may behave or react a certain way? Our, our inner child is needs something or we need to pay attention to our inner child when we get triggered by something, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, when a child is crying, right? Sometimes that triggers an adult. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the adult can respond to that crying. And sometimes because X, Y, Z, vete tu cuarto. Cuando te relajes, hablamos, regresas y hablamos. Vete tu cuarto, right? And so we shun them. Un unconsciously right mm -hmm. and, and not on purpose because i i truly in my heart believe that we don't wake up and say i'm gonna suck as a parent today <laughs> right we can wake up and say i'm gonna be neglectful or i'm gonna be abusive mm -hmm. there's just so many things so many things that a parent deals with and they're not robots like yeah sometimes things hit the fan and so there are two kinds of stress. So there is trauma, which definitely impacts the child's development. And trauma can be witnessing violence, whether it be in the community, whether it be at home. The other kind of stress is daily stress, right? So parents verbally going back and forth, right? Or what other stress could it, daily stress, you know, running from the grocery store to the doctor's appointment and then getting stuck in traffic and being in a bad mood because you're hungry. Like everyday stress does not accumulate enough to say I'm a bad parent or I really messed up my child for all his life. Actually, stress teaches that child how to respond, right? We want the child to be able to manage some stress appropriate to their age. And when that stress gets too big, they let us know by being angry, by being crabby, by being sad and crying, or their body will let us know by, for example, getting diarrhea, getting constipation, not sleeping well, eating too much or not having an appetite, right? So when they're not verbal, their body will tell us when it's too much. But as long as a parent responds, Development can continue happening like nothing. With trauma, though, with trauma, it's a situation that hits your nervous system and it impacts your nervous system in such a way that you can't move forward without remembering that experience. And so that experience teaches your brain because remember your brain is there to keep us alive so our brain the biggest job a brain has is to remember different experiences so and especially the negative difficult ones and the brain says oh okay mm. so la última vez que estuve en un carro me pasó un car accident so ahora cuando maneje voy a estar tensa para prepararme por si choco otra vez mm -hmm. It's same thing for for little ones. So for adults, our inner child, right? If your baby is crying and you feel overwhelmed, what does your little child need, right? Mm -hmm. How were you responded to by your caregiver when you used to cry? Might it be that your inner child remembers that when you used to cry, the where the way your one year old is crying in front of you, you were shunned. And it's too much to bear. And, you know, I, it's part of, again, that parenting development. And there's nothing more tr triggering than parenting an infant or a toddler. Yes. 
it's so triggering. Eh, like, nos hace pensar de todo. Mm-hmm. It's like an emotional roller coaster for good and for bad. It's beautiful. It's hard. It's stressful. And it just reminds us of our own childhood and the way we were parented. We're constantly, you know, you said reflection and I think you hit it spot on. Like we're constantly reflecting when we're parenting an infant or a toddler or a preschooler. And even it starts in pregnancy. The identity of a mother starts in pregnancy because you start thinking about your own childhood and fantasizing, right? Whose personality is this little one going to have, right? How, you know, is he going to be shy or he or she's going to be active and a social butterfly? And what is my culture value? Your inner child is calling for your attention when something becomes too big of a feeling when you become overwhelmed right when you're in a fight with your partner and you say you know what I don't want to talk about this anymore I'm done and we walk away Oof. what used to happen when as a child I was mad what did my mom tell me when I was mad was the expectation that I was always fine and dandy And if that was the expectation growing up was that I was always happy and dandy, man, feeling sad and angry with the person that I love is gonna be hard. Mm -hmm. It's gonna suck if I don't acknowledge it, but even acknowledging it is vulnerable and it's hard. And so just thinking a little bit about if, you know, your listeners out there, if this is resonating for them and they don't have a therapist you know, Google early intervention, social emotional. And and if you have worries about your little one, not meeting some milestones, they, as long as a parent is concerned, you're eligible in most states for an assessment in your home. You can also just Google early childhood therapy or infant mental health therapy. Your folks are also, your audience is also more than welcome to follow me and, or email me with, with specific questions. So there's definitely support and, and there's support in Spanish. Yeah. So that's the most important thing, right? Is to be able to talk about these experiences and our identities in our home language, in our first language, in the language that connects with our emotional side mm-hmm. the most. Because I could do therapy in English. Pero a veces, let me tell you, las palabras are not going to come to me as they come to me in Spanish. Because right. it's not who I am. I think in Spanish, you know, that's my first language. And so for me, therapy was really important to be bilingual. And, and part of that to kind of circle back to where we started this interview, you know, my hope for early childhood consulting is that it brings awareness of the importance of not only the baby's experience, but the parents experience. And with that valuing that it's the family who is the expert and I'm just there, prestada. I'm just mm-hmm. there, you know, because I'm lucky and I'm privileged that the family is opening their home door to me week after week, but it, it's really the powers in the family. And, you know, I, I hope that early child consulting supports bilingual parents to become the parents that they want to be whatever that may look like as long as you feel fulfilled and you are learning and growing that's all that's all that babies can ask thank you so much for sharing that so as we're getting near the end of this interview i do have one question and that is what tips can you share to latina moms about infant mental health and their own mental health as they sort of navigate a new identity and development as mommies? It's a really good question, Jessica. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, if I ask the families I work with now that question of, you know, what do you hope that your little one learns about their emotions? I often get, well, I hope that, you know, he or she becomes a confident adult, or I hope he or she can tell me what they need. 
hope he or she can tell me and feel comfortable telling me when they have a problem or when they feel sad or mad. And so oftentimes then I have them looking inward and saying, well, do you feel comfortable telling that to someone? Because again, we little kids learn by observing, right? And sometimes we wish for them what we yet cannot do for ourselves, right? It, it's a big jump. And so I'd say to give grace, give yourself grace, mom, sola, without anybody. It's okay. And there's just such a big guilt. So I, I'd ask, what does being a mother mean to you? Mm. Right. Emotionally, but then more logistically, right? What is that? What makes you a mom? And I dare say it's more than those logistical things that are going to come up, right? It's more than laundry. It's more than keeping food at the table, for little ones, it goes back to that relationship and being present. But in order to be present, we have to first acknowledge what is not going well today. And I wonder if for our community, it's hard to verbalize for any community, actually. It's hard to verbalize our negative feelings because we have this perception of once it's out in the universe, it becomes permanent. Hmm. To say that I feel depressed mi familia va a creer que voy a estar deprimida siempre. And it's like, no, right? Like, and it goes back to your, how do we unlearn and relearn? And I think mental health and the stigma, it, it always comes back to that stigma of, well, what does being a mother mean? But then think about what does depression mean, right? And during COVID, I worked with a lot of moms who were feeling anxious, who were feeling depressed because they were at home, because they didn't know if, you know, their job was going to keep them or not. And so those are real realities that women, dads, families are living through and that it can't be ignored. It shouldn't be ignored. And so, yes, you're a mother, but you're a woman first, you're a wife and all those roles have different responsibilities. And sometimes, you know what, sometimes you're going to, on a good, on a day, you're going to be a good wife and you may not be as good of a mother. Mm-hmm. And then next, you know, the next day you may be an amazing mother, but guess what? Maybe not that good of a wife and other days you're going to balance out. And that's okay. It's that kind of like development that we were talking about and that identity. And so you're pregnant now and you won't let me lie to your audience. of like, you're probably already thinking about, you know, what is this little one going to contribute to my family? How are dynamics going to change? How am I going to change? I already feel myself changing. Why? And so all those wonderings, you know, infant mental health therapy is just a space to just wonder with someone and not feel alone. So my tip would be to not spin by yourself. Don't feel like you have to swallow all your feelings and hide them. It's okay to not be okay. So much of what you said affirms that we shouldn't do this on our own, that there is literally professional help and we as Latinas, you know, we were taught to just deal with it, to not even talk about it, even though, and I always say this in my interviews, like, even though we can be very communal, we can be family oriented. Y a veces, yes, we do. We can talk about our feelings with our tias or our sisters, but oftentimes they may have different beliefs or different mm-hmm. values than you do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so how does that align with what you are looking for with what you what is your necessity Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. is when you should seek professional support someone with someone who doesn't know you someone who is literally not going to judge you and is coming with an open mind right without any bias and that is just so important and especially in this stage of motherhood i think also just giving yourself the gift of of grace and patience but Mm -hmm. 
You know, you just said not judging ourselves. And sometimes we do have to shop for therapists. And if you feel like you're just not a good fit with your therapist, even though they're maybe of the same culture as you are, even they, if they speak the same language that you speak, sometimes you're not a good fit. It's okay to move on, mm-hmm. right? It's okay to say, sabes que por una cosa u otra, mi intuición me dice que no conectamos. It's okay. But even then, like my fear is gonna, is like, oh, but we feel so bad to say no, right? Yeah. We feel so <laughs> bad to be like, this didn't work out. So we keep trying and trying. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no, like you come first. Mm-hmm. You should come first, mama. You should come first, mommy. You should come first, abuelita. Whoever you are taking care of this other human being, before you can take care of them, you have to take care of yourself. And you deserve a person that is going to listen to you. And you deserve a person that will be there for you. Like You deserve somebody that shows up for you so that you can show up for your loved ones. Yeah. And sometimes that takes a little bit of window shopping and that's okay. Go window shop. Right. Right. Yeah. On to the next one. And there will be mm-hmm. one that best fits with what you are looking for and, and vice versa. There has to be yeah. a connection. Where can people follow you? Yeah. So on Instagram, I am early.childhood.consulting. And then on the web the internet, I am www.earlychildhoodconsults with an S.com. I'm more than happy to answer any DMs, any email. My website has a tab that says contact us. I get all the messages automatically. I'm pretty good about responding to them. So I'm happy to chat with any of your audience if they have questions or if they're looking for support or are interested in some some baby and, and parent therapy. I'm, I'm here for them. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing all of this information. I will add your information in the show notes. And I I cannot thank you enough. I really appreciate with what you do because it it is much needed. It's so needed, especially within our community. Thank you for having me. Thank you for, for providing the space where folks can just come together with a taza de cafecito and and talk about real issues, real things. So I appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Viva La Mani podcast. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a review and write what episode really resonated with you. If you really loved it, share it on social media or with an amiga. As always, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening. Make sure to follow me at Viva La Mami on Instagram or visit VivaLaMami.com. Please note the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be replaced by your healthcare provider nor taken as professional advice.